Hey, everybody. It's Jeff. Before we start the podcast today, I wanted to give you a quick update. A lot of you have asked about our console giveaway, so I wanted to let you know the results. If you're new to the podcast, we decided last month to give away a Persona Studio Live 32S console to a deserving winner. So of all of the hundreds of responses we received, I'm thrilled to announce that MXU is giving that console to one-on-one church in Newburgh, Indiana. We got a great letter from Abraham from their team about why they deserve this desk and how they're going to use it to further their ministry. So we couldn't be more excited to partner with you guys in this. So to everybody at one-on-one church, we can't wait to hear how this console makes a difference in what you do. Now, be on the lookout because next month in December, we're going to do another big giveaway. So make sure to follow us at mxu.rocks for all the details. We can't wait to hear from you. All right, let's get to the episode. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 89 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here today with... Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai. How you doing, buddy? What's up, my peoples? And we are honored to be joined today by Stephen Brewster, who, for those of you who don't know Stephen, he is a bit of a legend, a musician, worship leader, coach, leadership guru, uh, speaker, teacher, all things. (laughs) I don't know what else. You can fill us in on the details. Do you do yoga as well? (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm basically, if you remember like those old, um, old, uh, in living color episodes, I'm basically Jamaican is what you just said. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I have, I have 19 jobs. I have, I have things, jobs. man. He's all things. I do all things, man. So no, I mean, in a, in a very funny yeah, you way, you can do a better job of describing yourself than I can. So why don't you, <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was pretty, that was pretty awesome. I'll be honest with you. You make yeah, you made it sound a lot more, a lot sexier than it is, for sure. Um, you know, yeah, I just, I, my at the end of the day, you know, uh, my job, I feel like, is to help leaders overcome being overwhelmed. And so, um, I do that through some leadership and executive coaching, through some creative coaching. Um, and then I do help a lot of churches release their music. And so, um some some of the churches that people probably heard of before and then some that they may never hear from but um i get to i i love this season of life where i get to serve and and just help the local church be the best it can be that's cool well that's that's what we're all about too and what i love about just getting to know you better and establishing this relationship is that you know your experience on the music side and on the leadership side and on the church culture side kind of all comes together in the way that you're trying to coach all sides of the equation on how to get better yeah. and how to be more effective. And so, you know, because that's so much a part of what we're about, we wanted to just have a conversation today about some of that stuff. So we've talked a lot in the last few months about just teams that are overworked, overwhelmed, yeah, uh, going through a tough season. And so, you know, we... I know you've been dealing with this a lot too. So we wanted to just kind of chat about navigating difficult seasons, especially as it comes from a leadership perspective. Cause you know, like it or not, whether you're on stage behind a microphone or sitting behind a console or in an executive team meeting, you know, in some way or another, we're all leaders. And so, you know, some of us may not feel like it all the time, but if we're (laughs) leading a few volunteers at a small church, or if we're leading a huge ministry at a mega church, we're all tasked with leading people to take a step in their faith. And that can be really difficult sometimes. So we just wanted to have a just kind of an organic rabbit hole filled conversation about yeah. some of that stuff and just what you've seen, what you've learned, what you're trying to teach folks and how we can all get better through it. Well, and, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great place to start. And, and And the truth is, even if you don't have anything that you just said, like if you don't serve with like serve on a big team or have a ton of volunteers or are on executive team, at the end of the day, you're still responsible to lead yourself and to lead yourself you well and, and lead yourself in a way that is, that is, is healthy and, and, and honors the values you have for your life and, and honors God in that, you know? And so it's funny the the two, the two myths that I feel like I am constantly battling is um, 
leadership isn't for everybody and creativity isn't for everybody. And I think that truthfully, both are for everyone. Like we have a responsibility to lead. So lead yourself well. It allows you to be a really good teammate. You become a good teammate. It helps you be a great boss. You be a great boss. Then it gives you the, the, the position to potentially become like a rock star inside of an organization. But it all starts with how you're going to lead yourself, you know, and then create yeah. creativity on the same front. Like, it's so funny. I sit in these, these conferences and breakouts and I'll be like, how many of you feel like you're creative? And sheepishly, a third of the room raises their hand. But the truth is, like, God made creativity accessible to all of us. And it's just a matter of um, what we do with our creativity, whether we lean in and work the muscles that it takes to stay creative and to be creative, or we allow everybody to talk us out of it and we become anemic creatively. I think people get confused with what creativity looks like. It, um, I think people only attribute creativity to art. Right. When it you know, has such a wide, it's anything. I mean, from right. cooking, to, you know, it could be applied anywhere. Well, creativity at its most basic, like, like the most basic baseline level, right? Like the most accessible to everyone. Creativity is um, having an idea or solving a problem. And so if you've ever solved a problem or um, had an idea, you've been creative. You just didn't, you weren't permissioned to lean into that creativity, right? And Jay, to your point, like we confuse art with creativity way too frequently. You you can be creative and never be an artist. Um, yeah, for sure. But, but the yeah. truth is creativity is a gift that God has granted us all access to. So I have a friend who's studying to be a plastic surgeon. Yeah. And she said the other day, and I thought about it later, she was like, yeah, it's like, I was like, why plastic surgery? She's like, well, like she likes the, the science medicine stuff. She goes, but then it's also a little bit creative and stuff. And I was like, huh. I just never thought, you know, you just never think like that. Right. So. I don't know that I want, I don't know that there, there are certain doctors that I probably don't want being overly creative in my life, but, <laughs> but a hundred percent. Yeah. But I will take, I will take some of it for sure. And I'm just, I'm totally, there's, there's nothing to fix here. So this is yeah. perfect. Got I mean, it right the first time. Yeah. I was going to say how, how creative is she going to be when it comes to your, uh, facial surgery, Jay? I'm not sure that it needs it or not, but uh, just you know. some Botox on the lips, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, please, please post the before and after. Okay. <laughs> oh, for sure. We're going to need that. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think that point can be pretty freeing to a lot of people who listen to this because, you know, most production folks are maybe coming at this from the technical side. And, right see themselves as just a group of nerdy introverts who don't really have anything to contribute creatively. But what you're saying is, you know, their problem solving ability, which most of them are really great at amazing troubleshooting, you know, making things happen out of nothing, combat audio, you know, the way we've had to pivot over the last two years to change the way church is expressed. I mean, all those things are expressions of creativity. 100. I, I love the guys that building sets on a budget too, you know? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Well, and, and church, church is probably one of the areas where we get to be the most creative and, and sometimes in an unhealthy way, because um, like, if you think about like, if I don't, when I, when I was week to week in church, I used to always tell my team guys, we're, we're producing Hamilton every weekend. Um but it's a different version of Hamilton every weekend. Whereas at Hamilton, they do the show one time and then all they do is refine, making it amazing over and over again. Right. In church, you know, we might get four weeks, five weeks in a series. Um, unless you're transformation church, then you just, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're rolling. But, uh, and shout out to the, to that team. They're amazing. But, uh, but like, yeah, we're, we have this responsibility to like, over and over and over again, create amazing stuff. And um, it takes a lot of creativity to do it. And, and I hate, I just, it, it hurts my heart really when I, when I listen to, to some of the, the, my friends who are in the creative space and they just, they don't, they don't um, understand 
how creative and gifted they are because they live their whole life like chasing down um, how to get things done for this weekend, you know, and uh, yeah, that's good. And, and eventually, eventually there is a, a break in that and, and they will, they will come out on the other side, but um, yeah, God's God has gifted you the grace for the job that you're in today. And he's gifted you with creativity that's beyond the job that you're in today. And so leaning into it as hard as you can is just so, so important. Yeah. Well, some people get stuck in this mindset that says, you know, that whether it's, whether it's budgetarily or, you know, facility or gear or whatever constraints they're in, Mm -hmm. they feel like, well, we'll never be able to quote compete with Disney or the arena down the street or the current hottest rock show that's out there or whatever. And so what do you say to a guy who feels like, you know, kind of stuck in that? It's like, well, no matter what we do, we'll never be as good as X. It's like, uh, I think that's probably the wrong way to frame the argument. Yeah. I mean, you'll never be as good as is the, is absolutely the, the most horrendous approach because the competition isn't with each other, right? The competition with is with it, it's, Creatively, the competition should be within yourself, right? You should be trying to get better as a creative, as an artist, as a leader, as a human every day. Like your, your, your job is not to get to become better than somebody else. It's to be more authentic, to be more in tune and to improve on your skill sets from week to week to week, day to day to day. And so the minute that you start focusing on how do I be elevation it's funny. I tell, I tell teams this all the time. They're like, well, how does elevation do this? And I'm like, you can't make that comparison. That's like a high school basketball coach asking somebody how the Lakers do practice. Like right. you don't have LeBron James. So like, what are you like? You got to right size the expectation first. Right. Zach Kimberly so, said LeBron. I get it. Yeah. You know, you know, he is for sure. <laughs> Shout out to Zach. Um, but uh, yeah, like I just think, so often we get we get distracted, and I think distractions a, is is a really unhealthy um, tool that the devil's using to try to keep us from accomplishing our best stuff. So, so let's stay here for a minute because there are there especially with social media and everybody's posts about what looks so awesome every weekend, <laughs> whether it's a new LED wall or a lighting look or right. a broadcast mix. It's so easy to get sucked into this idea that, well, we're not doing it as well as XYZ down the street. And right. so not not that we're competing with, you know, Ariana Grande and Cirque du Soleil, but we feel ourselves compelled to measure up to the church that might be, you know, getting right. more notoriety or more follows or more whatever. Um, and the problem is, whether it's musically or artistically what's coming off the stage or what's translating through a video, the team may not be able to produce that equivalent result. And so people find themselves frustrated when, gosh, my band just can't pull off what these guys are doing. So how do you encourage people to scale within themselves? Like I know things like multitracks.com and other resources are good ideas to help people sort of find those ways to fill the gaps or bridge the skill level. But yeah, there are some churches who just don't, they're, they're never going to have the band that Hillsong passion elevation transformation does every week. And so even just musically, like how do you encourage folks to just stay within yeah their expression of, what God has called them to do. Cause it's so easy to want to be able to pull off all those parts and to be able to sing that way and to be able to do whatever. Totally. And sometimes it's just not there. Right. So I want to answer that question probably two different ways. First I'll answer it practically. Then I want to answer it philosophically a little bit more, but uh, um, on the practical side, you just got to position yourself to deliver the best version of who you are every weekend whether you're singing um, an Ariana Grande song, which would be weird in church, 
uh, whether you're singing <laughs> an elevation song or whether you're singing a an, an original that your team wrote. The the goal is to to deliver it in the most authentic and um, true way to who you are. And so most people who attend church do not know that you didn't write Graves into Gardens. Like they're coming into church and they think that that song is your song. Now we all know different because we live in it in this bubble, right? But most people don't even know. So part of the most important thing that we do is make sure that how are we teaching through that song? How are we leading into that song? How are, how are we making that song part of the message and the mission and the purpose of our church in Kansas that we're responsible for this congregation and these people? How is this song going to minister to them in that day? And I think that definitely starts with like making sure that you're having some really intense personal encounters as a leader with God, like you're doing the things that you have to do as a leader to to be right spiritually, mentally, um, emotionally, you're prepared, you know, all of those things. And then position your team with as much rehearsal time as possible to get it as close as you can to what you feel like it needs to be. That's the practical side, yeah. right? Philosophical yeah. side is Instagram is is a trap, right? So the last thing we need to do is on the on the bad days go to instagram and see what everybody else is doing because here's what's true <laughs> god has given your church and your pastor and your leadership team and you as a leader a calling for your community right and so you're calling in, in your community god told you exactly who you're supposed to reach and how you're supposed to reach him and we all been given that calling for where we are and then what happens is we go oh man this is a lot harder than i thought it was let me just drift over here to Instagram and TikTok and watch what other people are doing. Oh, I'm going to grab a piece of that. I'm going to grab a piece of this. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we start taking these things from other places and we start Frankensteining up the calling that God gave us uniquely by adding all these other people's stuff to it. And then we can't give a true and authentic representation of that song because it's two thirds us and a third somebody else. And that somebody else isn't who we are or in our community. So it makes it really, Man. really difficult. That will preach all day long. So <laughs> I want to go back to one thing you said a minute ago on the practical side, because I think so many people, man, I'm in churches all the time where the the leading in and out of songs is so weak yeah. that it's pretty disturbing, actually. Yeah. So staying on the practical, like, yep. obviously... As a leader, it has to be in you before it can be in them. Right. And we've we've said that around here all the time. So how do you practically coach people to actually do the work to get better at that? Because it's more than just a script. It's more than just a sentence to go, here's what this song is, and we're going to sing it now and karaoke our way through it. <laughs> it's like, how how do you get people to be willing to go there because that's yeah. a tough thing not just from a stage perspective but from you know the person running lyrics and the person who's responsible for creating a lighting look and right the mixer of the song it's like man there's so much that we can do as production folks to engage people that i feel like people you know it's too easy just to sort of phone it in because it's good enough right so i mean it's it's interesting i was talking to a friend of mine uh and we were talking about the songs in the last um, six months that have started showing up on um, CCLI. And of the, the songs, and I, I, I don't want to give exact numbers because I will butcher this, but in a certain criteria of songs, all of the new songs that are in that criteria um, are all written um, by non-professional songwriters. They're collaborations between worship leaders. And it's interesting to me because I think that we went through a pandemic that took a lot of people who weren't serving on church out of a normal church routine, okay? And so you got songwriters writing songs about what they used to know, not about what they're, they're learning and experiencing today. So the very first thing you're gonna do if you're gonna lead well through songs is you've gotta have something to lead from. And so mm. you, you shouldn't make your playlist exclusively based on BPMs, right? It should be, what are these songs saying to you and your team and your congregation? And then your job is to prophetically be the, the voice of um, understanding for some of these songs, you know? 
And then I always tell, like you, you mentioned the scripting thing, and I think scripting is, is, a, is a slippery slope. But for, for some people who are just learning how to do it, a script is really helpful, right? It's really yeah. helpful for somebody who has experience to, to give them some talking points. It doesn't necessarily have to be a word-for-word script, but a lot of times that, that can be a good guardrail, and then you allow somebody to learn how to, to speak What's up. Because we, we've all been in those environments where we're like, um, oh, this worship leader, we pay them to sing, not to speak. We've all been in that moment, mm-hmm. right? And, yep. and, and we don't want to get into that moment, but helping give some some clear guidelines. And again, it starts with like personal time. You've got to be personally encountering God. If you're doing the ministry, but not living the ministry, it makes it really, really difficult to lead well from that position. And so, so um, good. it for, for, for all creatives, but definitely for, um, for worship leaders, like you, it's the equivalent of the the finance team going and getting new batteries for their calculator. No one's going to be upset about them doing that, right? Your job is to spend time with God in the same way so that your your batteries are charged when it's time to to deliver. That's, that's so good. And I think on the scripting front, you know, to to actually rehearse that and yeah. to be to be prepared in such a way that it actually is coming from a place that hey, this is what God has been teaching me this week. And I'm going to try to communicate that as effectively as possible, rather than I'm just going to get up there and wing it. You know, if because if it's not if it's not just an automatic overflow, and hopefully it gets to the point where it is that. Yeah. Uh, but if it's not, then hey, focus on what God is trying to teach you, and figure out a way to clearly communicate that in a couple of sentences. I think that's right. great. Right. You know, our our, our friend Jesse Reeves did a. Um, what a handsome fella. What a handsome fella and a really good songwriter and good friend. But he did a uh, teaching a few years back about David and his his calling and his anointing as king that happened 15 years before he had a platform. Mm-hmm. And the point of that story was, gosh, from the time that he was anointed to the time he actually became king, what was he doing? He was out in his father's fields feeding the sheep and building relationship with God and figuring out how to exercise his calling in the most effective way. So that, I mean, that speaks to so many things in this conversation to go, okay, what are you doing when you're alone to figure out how to feed the sheep? Yep. Because if all you're focused on is the platform, whether that's from the production side or the stage side, you know, if you're if you're a quote lowly tech volunteer who's just patching the stage and you want to be mixing, that to be, you know, that in your mind is your platform. What are you doing between now and then? You know, some of yep. it is actual technical preparation, but a lot of it is what's happening inside and to your point, how you lead yourself. Yep. So what is what is leading yourself look like in yeah. terms of that side well i mean i think leading yourself it, it's it's so practical it's it's really not very sexy which kind of is probably why we don't talk about it very much but i think you know i think there's a handful of things that that matter when it comes to leading yourself i think the first one is obviously spiritually what we're what we've been talking about if you're not leading yourself well spiritually if you're not doing the 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 disciplines or the work to 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 be healthy spiritually then you're not going to do um a very good job leading your team or leading others, right? That's the first one. Uh, the second one, I think energy and attitude. We get to control our energy and our attitude. A lot of people try to control your attitude. Um, and a lot of people are a drain on your energy. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for it and you're in charge of it. And nobody else gets to lead it um, other than you. Um, and I think gratitude is a superpower for energy and attitude. And so when you are living in a posture of gratitude, it really helps your energy and your attitude stay centered in a place that that can that can help yourself lead yourself well um creativity would be like the third thing that i think is important um in leading yourself well you've got to be you've got to be curious you've got to be asking questions you've got to be challenging status quos and things in your life and you got to be asking hey what can we do to get better like how do we get how do we get better in everything that we do um health is a big one when you're leading yourself you got to have healthy boundaries in your life 
um, you need to be making sure you're balancing your your emotional and, and and mental health. Like it's, we've all learned over the last few years the importance of talking to somebody. And if you're not yeah. doing that, you're not leading yourself well. Uh, and then obviously physical health as well. It's interesting. I heard, I read this article about um, Google. Everybody aspires for like a Google culture, right? Where nobody has to check <laughs> in or check out and you get food for free and you can sleep there if you want to, which is probably really unhealthy. But uh, just sit at work all day and play ping pong. Play ping and pong. Eat Cheetos and, and, yeah, and, right. Yeah. We all want that. Um, one thing that I, in this article was that nowhere in Google is there a time clock except for in the gym at Google. And the executive level leaders at Google are required to clock in and clock out for one hour a day in the gym because the level of pressure that they're under and stress that they're under on the executive level at Google, they did a study that you have to be firing off at least an hour's worth of hormone uh, of uh, endorphins or else you're not able to sustain the pressure. Now, some of us, wow. the job that we do is equally as stressful, but... All we do is eat the Cheetos. We don't do the the the, the physical act, act activity to to kind of balance it. Why do I feel like you're looking at me through the screen? I'm. The, I was. I was <laughs> looking right at, at me was, when he said Cheetos. Hey, listen. I was looking at your chair. It's so dope. It's like you're in a you're in a <laughs> dope speakeasy somewhere. Um. Uh. Then I think you know we always have to be getting better. We have to be getting smarter. We need to be edu- like. If someone's listening to this podcast right now, they're already leading themselves well because they're trying to learn something new. Um. Relationally, I think you can't lead yourself well if you don't lead yourself relationally. And you know, relationships sometimes can get complicated. But we should be we should be balancing healthy relationships. Um, time and calendar is really important. It, I remember I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but when I was a kid, my parents used to take us to churches all over the country because they were missionaries. And I would always hear the pastors, and this is a, probably a little manipulative, but they'd say, "I can look in your checkbook and tell where your heart's at." Um, <laughs> well, I can look at your calendar and tell where your priorities are at. And if your calendar is full of everybody else's priorities and none of your own, you're not doing a good job leading yourself well. And so we all get the same number of minutes and hours and seconds in a day. What are we going to do with them? And we should be doing only the things that we can do if we're going to be the best version of ourselves. Um, and then the last one is self-awareness, which is probably the most um, complicated of them all because self-aware people don't think that they are. And unself-aware people think that they're ridiculously self-aware. And so when I <laughs> am trying to coach somebody through leading themselves well, I actually have them take a little note card and just write those eight things on the note card and then put the days of the week across the top of it. And every night before they go to bed, I have them check mark which ones that they passed or failed that day. And at the end of the week, you have a pretty good little uh, test data test on how, um, how you're doing leading yourself. Okay, so real quick, can you go through those eight? Just yes, just the, the words, the things themselves, so people can actually write this down because it's so important. Yep, spiritually, energy and attitude, creativity, health, education, relationships, time and calendar, self awareness. All right, so guys who are listening, those eight things, just make that list, and I, I challenge you to do what Stephen just said. Write down those eight things and for a week, maybe for a month, whatever you can do. Give yourself a pass or fail every day on how well you have tried to implement just even awareness around those things. Because I think, you know, putting that into practice could be such a game changer for so many of our folks. Yeah, I think it'll probably just help us realize I'll do it alongside. Um, I'm happy to post my results too, but um, it's probably not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll send them to Stephen. Um, so just just DM them to me. Yeah, that's good. So, so you're leading yourself. You're doing that. But what if you're in an environment that's toxic? What if doesn't matter whether you're a worship leader, production people, several yeah. people that listen to this podcast are not on staff at a church. Mm-hmm. They either volunteer at a church or a paid contractor or or not involved in the church and are just production people. This applies across the board, I right. would say. What if you're in a toxic culture, work culture, and, mm-hmm. and what if you have bad leadership above you? Because the law of the lid oh, yeah. still counts. For sure. For sure. So... So the first thing that you have to ask yourself is, what's the runway that you have? What's the grace runway that you have to sustain working in this culture? 
right? Like a lot of times we find ourselves in these environments and then we feel like we're trapped in these environments and we live in a big world with a really big God. And so when you say grace runway, are you talking about how much grace you should give the culture before you try to make a move? How much grace you should give the culture and how long you can handle being there before it starts to impact all the other areas of your life. Gotcha. Your kids, your kids do not deserve to to um, to live a life that is less than because your boss is a jerk, right? And so the minute that it starts, like, there's always moments and seasons where we're in places where, like, oh man, this isn't really what I feel. But I, I always say, if you're in a in a weird season and um, it's if you're in a weird season and it's seasonal, congratulations. That's called being a grown up. Yeah. If you're in a weird season and it's repetitive or con, uh, consistent, well, then it's super unhealthy and you need to do one of two things. You need to lean in, have the conversation. Hey, this feels like unhealthy. It, it, either it's expectation based or it's culture based um, or it's poor leadership based. Lean in and have a conversation. If things can't can't correct, you're not stuck. Like there are other places for you to go and use your gifts. And I'm not encouraging everybody to go resign today because that would be really poor leadership. But um, start to, to decide how long do you how long can you sustain being in this culture before it starts to impact the other areas and the wellness of your life. And the wellness of your life is your job, not anyone else's. That's good. And that's really good. So in that scenario, right, let's come up with a hypothetical situation where you've got a church culture. Actually, we don't have to come up with a scenario because this is <laughs> multiple environments. But um, but more times than not, the person in charge doesn't have any leadership experience. A lot of tech directors are, are last man standing or uh, were the first hire <clears throat> or are um, – or the only person, and they're yep. leading tech team. So, what do you, what do you tell those people about leadership, right? Because say that they have bad leadership above them, but they're responsible for a tree under them of of workers, whether they're staff or contractors. How does the negative leadership above them not make it all the way down, or is that even possible? It's a great question. I, I mean, I don't know. I think leadership definitely trickles. So, you know. Usually if you have a, first off, no leader ever thinks they're unhealthy. Okay. So your leader that is super unhealthy does not, is not waking up this morning going, man, I'm super unhealthy as a leader. Right. They're like, you don't know what they're dealing with. That's creating some of the, the, the reactions that, that maybe that that you're experiencing from them. Um, That's the first thing. So sometimes helping, giving them, in, in an honorable and honest way, giving them some visibility to how their actions are being received by others is important. Um, usually the, the, the most, the more unhealthy it is at the top, the more unhealthy it gets throughout the organization, right? So I would say that first, if you're, uh, if you're entry level or borderline mid-management, um, then your job, you're not going to be able to super influence the tops of the organization. So you've got to create the right environment for your volunteers, for your team, for the people that serve with you. Okay. If you, you, you do have the ability to protect those on your team and below you in organizationally below you, not value yep. below yeah. you, but um, you have the ability to protect them, put a, put a, an umbrella over them to keep them from, experiencing all of the same things that you're experiencing. So don't think that your level of leadership is a pass through of dis of uh, um, dysfunction. Okay. You get to be the, the, the the cog that stops the dysfunction if you choose to. And that's either going to do one of two things. It's going to start to show the whole organization, Hey, there's a problem here that needs to be fixed, or it's going to give you the permission to go try to do something somewhere else because, um, health and dysfunction it's hard for them to live together and when you start creating one it's either going to become contagious through the organization or it's going to make you very aware that health 
is not a priority and you need to go find a place where that can be a priority for you. Yeah, that's good. Because in any dysfunctional relationship, there's the person who is sort of exhibiting that behavior, but then there's also a person who's enabling it. Correct. So as long as you're not being the enabler, then you have a way to maybe change that equation. Yep. The problem, though, sometimes is that if if you're that person and you're trying to deflect the dysfunctional behavior or lead through it, it's too easy to just sort of internalize that and take it on. And it becomes sort of, it, it because it's not a pass-through, because you're not just a gatekeeper, some of that stuff might get stuck inside you. So again, going back to leading yourself, it's important if that stuff comes at you and you're trying to lead away from it, to have ways to process it within yourself that you're not just internalizing it all and right. adding stress and trying to sort of t- take it on yourself so that it doesn't infect the rest of your team. One thing to always pay attention to, gossip is a super spreader of dysfunction. So good. So so don't lean into just having conversations with all your homies about how bad things suck. All that does is perpetuate dysfunction. So either have the conversation up to somebody who can change it or deal with it. But don't don't and don't allow gossip around you and don't allow yourself to be caught up in gossip. That's, that's that great. is so good because we've all been, especially in production environments, because a lot of us have the spiritual gift of sarcasm, <laughs> and it's too easy to sort of let a joke go too far or to start to make sort of always and never statements about people and just get into this kind of I can beat that story about how bad things are mentality and it's just so dangerous yeah so man yeah. that is such a good word that that was actually great because my, my question was what are some practical things that we can give each other in this community to do that being one of a great example don't actually gossip but as you've been around the world and seen some incredible leaders what are it could be the smallest most practical thing but what are some things that you have seen leaders do that you've noted like oh man that's that's a really good thing to do for your team or do with your team or yeah i mean gosh there's so many i mean i think i think anytime a leader is willing to ask questions more than make statements they're going to they're going to learn a lot more about their team and about the situation right so your your view and visibility to a situation is is limited even when you think it's not so the more questions that you ask as a leader, the 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 better um, position you're going to meet to be to make better decisions around leadership. Right, that's the first one. Um, I think never allowing your emotions. I it it's it's so difficult, especially in creative spaces, to to not move emotionally. But I think temporary emotion temporary emotions when acted upon can create permanent results. And I think anytime that we allow temporary emotions to create permanent results, it, it can get really, really um, unhealthy for the organization. Cause now all we are is reactionary. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't actually like respond to things. We just react to them. And as a leader, what you do, what you do um, a little bit, everybody else does a lot. So if you occasionally respond reactionary, everyone in your team is going to respond reactionary because that's the model that you've set for them. And so, you know, I think asking questions, giving yourself space to not respond emotionally, but to, to, to respond once, once you have a little bit more preview of what's happening. And then um, just make sure you're setting the, the atmosphere that you'd want to work in. Like, if you wouldn't want to work for you, why would somebody else? If you wouldn't want to, if you wouldn't want to be on a volunteer team with you, why would somebody else? And you know, I think those three things are really easy, like check-ins on. Hey, how are we doing? Are we good? That's, that's so good. That's great. Because sometimes you know, people maybe overreact to a circumstance. You know, if you're, for example, there's a difference between the values of your team or the values of your church and certain preferences in terms of style or execution. Right. So 
it's it's so important, I think, to clarify that line between, okay, how much of this that I, quote, don't like about my organization is a core value that they're expressing in a bad way or just a preference that isn't quite my taste? Right. Because, again, part of being a grown-up is to know the difference and to be okay with, hey, sometimes there are going to be things that you don't like. So just because you don't like something doesn't mean that everything's going you know, sideways. Right. Exactly. Because that's just part of the deal. And, and, and preferences should never uh, position themselves above purpose. And so I remember that when I worked at, at a church, there was like this, these two songs that I absolutely hated. Like I, I hated these worship songs. Like they would Only start- two? <laughs> I like most of it. I like most <laughs> of it. But these two specifically, I'm not even going to say the names because people would think I wasn't a Christian. But there were these two songs that I just could not stand. And uh, we were in a meeting one day, and I was like, what's the set for this week? And they both of these songs were on the set. And I was like, oh, this is going to be the worst set ever. And my team was like, should we change it? And I'm like, no. Just because I don't like a song or two, mm-hmm. which is probably two-thirds of the set at that point, um, no, we shouldn't change it. Like, if if this is what works for our organization and for our congregation, and this is where you as a worship leader feel like you're leading – the you're leading us in the global conversation of worship. Why should one dude's opinion change any of that? So the minute that that we had that conversation, they started feeling a lot more freedom to to make the decisions that they felt because it's also recipro- reciprocal. So the next time they do something, I'm like, hey, why did you make that decision? Oh, I didn't like it. Okay, you didn't like it. Was that preference or purpose? Mm. And all of a sudden, you get to start asking better questions, so your organization gets a little bit better. So, that's great. That's really good. What do you see coming down the road, as far as like, uh, I mean, your hands in music heavily, and you're working with church leaders. Like, what do you what do you see like five years from now? Yeah, I mean, I I think I don't think that I don't think we're going to. Um, it's interesting. I, the uh, the pandemic gave us and gives us uh, uh, the opportunity to be innovative and to take chances and to do things we've never done before. However, I think a lot of people did that for a couple weeks, and then they've reverted back to how they did church for 50 years. And I think that what I see coming down the road is there's going to be a different way that the gathering of saints is never going to change because it's important and it's biblical and it's and and we need it. How we gather is going to be very different. And if we're not always looking at innovation as an option, um, I think some of us are going to get left behind. Yeah, that that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I think you know, you you, you mentioned a while back about how our expression of our worship needs to be authentic to our community. Yep. The the problem is especially young people they crave authenticity but they don't really know what it is until they see what it's not. And so I think to have an authentic expression of the church for your community is going to have to look different. Um, yep. especially for kids who aren't wowed anymore by the show and they've realized through the pandemic that you know what we can we can do a lot of things in our lives differently than we used to i think the churches who are going to be most effective are going to be the ones who can sort of think toward the front end of that conversation and lead lead toward it instead of reacting to it and i don't know i don't know what that looks like but i'm i'm afraid for some churches that they're going to get left behind I, I, that's my fear too so I was talking to a guy at a conference a couple weeks ago. He walked up to me after a session and he's like, Hey, we're not really into the, this is post like whatever we're in right now, post pandemic ish kind of a thing. He's like, we're not really into, into the online church thing. (laughs) Um, What would you say to that? And I was like, well, I'd say that if that's what God's told you to do, then you need to do it. But I would also say balance your expectations because everybody in your community is into it. And the people who aren't coming back to your church are also into it. So just be prepared. You can stay 
the way you've always done it, that's totally cool. Just understand what comes with that. And what comes with that is doing church the way that it is. And you're going to, you, you're not going to, there's certain things you're never going to achieve because you're willing to sacrifice this tool. All it is, is a tool. It's not a, it's not theological. It's, it's right. Do you, do you theologically have a problem with turning the lights on when you go into a dark room? It's kind of the same thing. And so, you know, we just have to balance our expectations to, to our level of comfort, I guess. That's good. That's great. Um, as far as, uh, I now just feel like I'm picking your brain. We're getting into the, (laughs) like church technology, um, has obviously grown tremendously in 24 months with the pandemic and and people having to p- pivot uh, to online streaming and stuff. Do you ever do you see the your just your personal opinion uh, the that going backwards to where people want a little more simplicity and less yeah big production or do you see the whole culture keep moving to moving to Vegas mode? Well, I think it's going to be both. I think it's. I think there's going to be some churches that, listen, God was so creative. When he made people, he's like, watch how different I make all these people. And then he's like, now, the church is the tool that I use to reach all these people. So watch how diverse I make all these all these churches so that they can be the, the, the tool and the bride of Christ, right? So you're going to have Jesse Reeves, mutual friend, right? Jesse loves like home house church vibes, right? That's awesome. Like do that, yeah. you know, um, central live in Las Vegas. That's like, you know, super production. That's dope too. Both are equally representative of Christ. So to me, I just, I always look at it as where, where is your community how are you going to reach that community? What are the tools best used to reach that community? Go chase those tools. And I don't know that there's this big pendulum that is one size fits all for, for how we should do church. I think, I think the more authentic we make each environment to the leadership, to the culture, to the community that it's in, probably the more uh, effective it is to reach that community. So it's great. I love that. I, I was talking with Zach Kimmery a couple of weeks ago at, at Elevation, and I just told him I loved how much his team hung out together. Yep. We've been there several times, but like even on watching on socials, they're always breaking bread together, which just to me uh, is so unifying to see like they're attacking their mission together. Yep. You know, like it's not just, oh, we clocked in and we're going to go do this, but then it's like we, we share life together, break bread together. I think that's such a special thing. And I think if it was, whether it was at Elevation or it was at, you know, Shiny Grove Primitive Baptist Church with a <laughs> church with two church volunteers, like I love the idea of living a life together so we can accomplish things together. Yep. I well, I think what that does is it brings us back to preferences over purpose and the how easy it is to get lost in that conversation because if you do that and if you're connected relationally and you're on mission together then as preferences change it doesn't really matter because the purpose is unified and the goal is the same and the bullseye and the target is what we're all moving toward together so right. now, hear me hear me say the the hear hear me say don't let that be 99.9% of your time because then you uh, like make sure you have friends outside of your work world so you're not just drinking out of the production fountain the whole time. Also, make sure you got some of y'all need some non-believer friends because y'all don't know what it's like on the other side. <laughs> True, and I'm happy to be your friend. True, Jeff, am I your non-believer friend? You're one of my best believer friends, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm your compassion kid. Do I have a, a photo photo of me on That's this bridge? Amazing. I'm glad I got you when it was only twenty eight dollars a month though, because I got <laughs> grandfathered in. To it's a so wrong. Rate. It's so right. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I do love I do love seeing unified teams. I just want believers. My big thing. You said this to start, um, Stephen. You were talking about leaders. I think believers should be leaders, and I think we should be leaders in every space that exists, from technology to civics 
to education, to all these things. Because if what we believe is true, the mindset um, that that we should go and have influence among people, you know? And so I want, I want uh, believers to just be good people and great leaders out in all spaces. Same. Otherwise, so otherwise we're in a cult. Yeah. Diversity is beautiful. The, 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 the lack of diversity. Uh, that's why Jeff when, and Lee have when me things around. Get danger- <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. You know, you, you should have some divergent thinking in your world. Um, not divisive thinking, but divergent thinking for sure. So, That's I love good. that. Well, this has been a great conversation. So, as we wrap up, let's go through those eight things one more time because I think leading yourself is really at the core of all of this. So, yeah, as the as the walkout music starts to play underneath the end of this conversation, <laughs> okay. let's remind everybody the eight things we're supposed to write down and how we can track them. Yeah. Lead yourself spiritually every day. Um, check in on your energy and your attitude. Um, number three, what's your creativity? What are you doing to, to get better creatively today? Number four, what are you doing to get healthier today? Um, number five, how, what are you learning? Education is important. Number six, uh, relationships. Number seven, your calendar. If it's full of other people's priorities, you have none. And then number eight, self-awareness. So good. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for this great conversation. I know it's, I mean, it's packed full of tidbits that everybody's going to love and want to take with them and learn from. Um, Any final thoughts as we leave? Man, I'm just, I'm so encouraged by, um, by what you guys are doing and how you're reaching, reaching churches and resourcing and helping teams. So, uh, if there was anything I would say is if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know somebody in ministry that, um, that could use a little bit of encouragement today, send them something from MXU, um, sign them up in, in to a, to a course or do something to empower somebody else today using this resource because this is a trusted resource these are good people i've been friends with some of these guys for over 10 years and you can trust them they're good people they're good leaders and their their heart and desire is really to help serve uh, the local church and so as you're listening today invest back into this community because it's worth it man thank you so much love it Where, where can people find you online um, you can find me on Instagram, B underscore R E W S T E R, um, or Stephen Brewster.me. Awesome. Got it. Appreciate you, brother. All right, guys. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. So great hanging out. Thanks.